Welcome to The Table, a place where stories are told, life is shared, and our hope is that you'll leave full. We encourage you to sit back, pull up a chair, and enjoy the conversation. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Table. I'm Drew Phillips. And I'm Chris Albritton. And thanks for joining us today around the table. Uh, today we are going to spend a little time and get to know Chris a little bit better. He is our uh, new worship pastor, and so we're going to just spend a little time to get to know him a little bit better, find out his story and how God has uh, impacted his life. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, me as well. I'm excited to tell the story. So, so Well, great. Well, let's get started. Uh, and Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us your hobbies, families, yeah. things you like to do. All right. Well, I am Chris Albritton, as Drew said. Uh, I am from Louisiana, the northern part of Louisiana, not to be confused with the southern part of Louisiana. If you're from Louisiana, you understand that difference. <laughs> but uh, I grew up there in a small town called Ruston, Louisiana, uh, that holds the campus of Louisiana Tech University. Go Bulldogs! I uh, graduated from Louisiana Tech and um, had lived there until I moved up here to West Lafayette. So. I uh, spent a, the majority of my life uh, within a 30-mile distance of, of home. So um, I have uh, um, three kids. Uh, Anderson is my oldest. He's seven. Uh, Adeline is my middle child, and Griffin is my youngest. Uh, they are wild and full of adventure and fun. My wife is Brittany, and she is beautiful and serves the family so well. She's such a good caretaker. Uh, for our home and uh, just keeps us all in check. And so I love her to death. She's great. And she's going to hate that I even mentioned her name on this podcast. So, <laughs> Well, good, good. <laughs> so what do you like to do uh, when you're not here, when you got yes. some time to yourself? What are some hobbies, some things you like yeah, to do? So uh, I am definitely an outdoorsman. I love okay. being outside even when I'm at home. I don't really like sitting inside and watching TV all that much. Uh, so I'll be in the yard or uh, I love hunting and fishing and uh, just anything in the outdoors, camping even occasionally. I'm I'm starting to get my family into uh, the excitement of being in the outdoors and camping as well. So uh, we do a lot of that. Um, I enjoy woodworking projects occasionally. I haven't done a whole lot since I've been up here. But I do enjoy woodworking projects, uh, of course, playing music. I get to do that for a living. Yeah. And so I uh, I don't do it as much at home as I used to, uh, but I do definitely enjoy uh, music and how it stirs you in the rhythm and the the um, uh, the the joy that it brings in your heart whenever you when you hear songs. So yeah, that's awesome. The other the other key thing to point out is that you are a twin. I am a twin. Yes. Now is it identical twin? We are technically fraternal. Okay. Uh, if you saw pictures of us, we do look very similar. Uh, I am about thirty pounds larger than he is. <laughs> And I accept that. I'm okay with it. Uh, my brother, you yeah. win in the fight. Yes. <laughs> so my twin brother's name is Cody. Okay. He is a uh, minister in Louisiana, okay. pretty close to home at a, uh, a Baptist church there. And he oversees several different areas of ministry. He was formerly a college minister there and um, has kind of branched out to oversee a couple of different areas of ministry at his church. And so... Okay. Uh, and he is, like I said, just like me, you, if we were on the podcast today, you would have a hard time telling who's who because really? we even sound a little bit like it's weird. So that's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so 
part of this is uh, what, we, what we like to do around here. You're very familiar mm-hmm. with that is uh, we like to get to know people's story a little bit. And so tell us a little bit about your journey with, yeah. with, with Jesus and mm-hmm. what your faith story has been. Yeah. So uh, it starts way back. I grew up in the church. I have a, a good friend of mine who I still keep up in touch with today, uh, Dustin Taylor. He and I, my brother, all three would say that we uh, were born in the church right next to each other. I mean, we had cribs next to each other and all that. Uh, so from a very young age, before I can even remember, uh, my family would have us in church and my sister as well. Um, it wasn't until junior high that uh, that Christ became real in my life, and I, I felt the realization of who He was and what He did for us. Uh, and so we were at a, a summer camp, my first summer camp ever, uh, to um, to go away to a different state to not be around my parents, uh, such as VBS and stuff like that in house at the church or whatever. So um, was planning on going to Centerfuge there in Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, and a few days before that, my grandfather passed away uh, on my mom's side, great man of God, and has a great testimony as well. Um, but when he passed, we kind of hit the brakes a second, and we're like, okay, are we are we going to go? Uh, is, my parents kept asking, are we going to actually send them off? Because we would miss the, the funeral if we did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole family agreed that, that it was for our benefit that we go to this, this camp, and so... We were able to go to visitation the night before and then head out that morning. We missed the funeral, but it was there uh, at the end of the week um, through a whole week of, of many different men pouring into our lives and just asking the right questions to stir a young boy's heart uh, towards the Lord uh, that I made, uh, made Christ public in my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, little did I know, you know, it was the big uh, come to Jesus meeting at the end of the week that mm-hmm. we, if you've ever been to a summer camp, you realize, or you've been a part of those. Uh, it was there where I, I did make that profession. Uh, and little did I know that my brother made the same, the same night, mm-hmm. uh, made the profession. He was sitting in another part of the room. And so we didn't know that until later on that night. Wow. Uh, but it really was a, a culmination of guys just uh, at night, whenever we were about to go to bed, they would sit us down and go, okay, what did you learn? And uh, so this is what Christ means in your life whenever you whenever you do realize that. And so uh, I can remember specifically the guys' names, Jerry Johnson and Michael Blue and um, Kevin Houston. Those guys, they uh, uh, all were influential in that part of mm. me very own, uh, young in life. And so moving on later, uh, enjoyed being in leadership on in the youth group, did nothing with music in the youth group. Uh, although I, I did enjoy it, and I, there was a guy named Brad Martin who would lead us in the in in our worship times on Wednesday nights. A great guy, I still talk to him to this day occasionally, and he uh, just kind of set the the tone for what does a worship leader look like. A completely different concept than any other type of musician or um, uh, even within the church uh, in a pastor role. It, it's just a little bit different, and so he was great. Uh, I always appreciate him leading us during that season of life. And um, so grew up, and my um, youth minister at the time, uh, Brian Knutson, uh, really in our senior year really spoke a lot of truth into our life and, and saw the, the importance of um, leading me and my brother, as well as several other guys, um, to a possible future in ministry. I think he saw that from a long time ago, even though we were 
rough and and probably not the funnest to be around all the time. Uh, but he poured into us as well. Then I got to college and uh, uh, was began dating Brittany around that time, okay. uh, my senior year in high school, into college. And um, it was my the college Sunday school director, director Kathy Nelson, who stood up one Sunday and was like, hey, we, we really need a worship team here. If anybody wants to do that and knows how to do that, is even interested, just come see me after, you know, after we're done here. So I did, and several others did, and uh, again, I knew nothing about music at that time, wow. but uh, stood up and, and uh, just walked through gently of what that might look like. We formed a little team, and then quickly that dissolved into a very, very small worship team, and I was the only one who was willing to take the lead on it, so I did, and um, it really just led us to ultimately to here today. Uh, and there's a lot of different factors in the story uh, throughout the uh, my life that have been like just pivotal points in life. So yeah. around that time, uh, the summer after 2004, 2005, one or the other, uh, I started serving at a summer camp in Rock Springs, Texas, Camp Eagle, which is still going on today, um, and went out there not knowing anyone, uh, but filling out an application through like some random email or, mm. or a piece of mail that I got at that time. Uh, my parents, my dad and my brother and Brittany and a friend of mine all drove me out there, dropped me off. They were scared to death for me. They're like, "Where? <laughs> what are we doing here? Now, how uh, far away was that from home? That was about 10 hours from home okay, at that time. Yeah, so that's, that's, pretty that's, good drive yeah. for a, a sophomore in college uh, to be left alone in the wilderness uh, and pulling up and meeting some guys. But, but through that experience in that summer, uh, I've met some of my closest friends, mm-hmm. and that was really a point where God just began to work uh, something in me that, that was more than what it had ever been before in my life. I, I think that was the number one step in that, um, of how he, he led me to uh, become a, a pastor and a worship leader and uh, a discipler, which is mm-hmm. one of the things I love to do. So... Um, Moving on from that, and we'll, we might touch this later in our podcast here, but I'll move on for now. Um, got back home and started leading at the uh, at a, a college ministry, the BCM at Louisiana Tech campus, and uh, would lead their Tuesday night gatherings with some friends of mine, and uh, again just built up uh, stage presence at that time and leadership through uh, through worship. Uh, right out of college, I started working for a nonprofit, Rolling Hills Ministries, with David Abernathy was the director there, and uh, he he had a son who was a close friend of mine growing up, and so we had some connections there, and I started working actually worked for them for nine years. Wow! Uh, all through right after college in, into uh, just a few years ago, so um, I worked and for what, them. What did you do there? So for that, I was a uh, disaster relief coordinator. We had a thrift store. We did um, just lots of different uh, ministry ideas. Like we would give uh, fire victims clothing okay. and different things like that through the thrift store. Uh, we also had a resort ministry. There were several different areas that that I would oversee and help with, mainly through disaster relief, which is what I really loved. Yeah, uh, through that through that job. Um, all the while working uh, part time for the church in some areas. So it was around that time, right shortly after college, that my home church, Calvary Baptist in, in Ruston, okay. uh, 
opened up a position for a worship minister there, and so I became an interim there, stayed there for two years. And again, another point where um, just people began to pour into my life, and gently, Kathy Nelson's husband, Rick Nelson, was a guy who just would gently walk me through what it means to know what chord progressions were. I mean, just very simple things musically, yeah. uh, but it also developed again, leadership and how to deal with different ages of people and uh, not just specifically college kids because I was young and uh, right out of college. And so all I knew was how to hang out with my friends. I didn't really know how to uh, let people invest in me and me invest in people of all different ages. So he was great with that. Uh, and then about two years after that, they they felt the need to hire a full-time position. Again, I was still working at Rolling Hills, and so I didn't I uh, feel like that was a something I needed to step into at the time. Okay. Uh, so they filled that position. I took a year off of worship, and I thought I was done. Brittany will tell you this. I was. I kept saying I'm washed up, yada yada yada, and it was just and selfishness old, on my part. Twenty four years old at the time. Washed up at twenty four. Washed up at twenty four. Yeah. Um, but it, it was through that process of um, not being around it that I realized how much I missed it and how much that I. Th- I knew at that point that something, either I was going to be working at Rolling Hills forever or I was going to move into a worship pastor role. Uh, And then it was a year after that, uh, so I took a year off, and then a year later, the um, Temple Baptist, another church in in Ruston, uh, reached out and asked if I would fill in an interim role there, uh, which was a basically a four-year interim. It kind of moved into just a part-time worship position, and then um, in 2015, uh, the pastor there, Reggie Bridges, dear friend of mine, love him to death, saw the need for a full-time position and opened it up there. So I began working full-time awesome. in uh, in the church there, leading that before moving up here. So a lot of timeline events there yeah. that got us to, and I, and I just hit the high points as far as worship goes. So Yeah, so... Um... Something that hit me as you were talking was what was when you were at Rolling Hills and doing disaster relief, um, what were some of the takeaways from that? Like, what did you learn? How was God forming you mm-hmm. in, a, in a job that was outside of the yeah. church? Yeah. But obviously, I'm sure had some influence on the work you did do within the church. So what, are some, what, what were some Absolutely. takeaways and, and how did you see God move through that ministry yeah. um, all those years that you were there? Yeah, certainly. So number one, it taught me how to work hard. Man, working in a thrift store is hard work. And I know that sounds uh, a little bit petty to say that thrift store work is hard work, but it, it really mm-hmm. was. And they were all hard workers, so they would push everyone to to be good workers. You know, no, don't be lazy. Don't just uh, sit on your phones or, or ride out the clock, but, but find stuff to do. That was the number one thing I learned from mm-hmm. there. Uh, the other side was, it, was that they... Um, they taught me how to, to relate with people, again, of, of different generations. So a lot of senior adults would come and volunteer there, and I would lead those groups. Um, uh, when I went on disaster relief, of course, there was all different generations there and age groups. Uh, and so you would go off to these places and, and just work yourself to death, feeding 10, 12,000 meals a day. Wow. Which is, is crazy to get your mind around. They're actually... Um, ha- have increased that number in their productivity whenever they go on sites uh, to even higher numbers than that now. Thankfully, wow. I, I don't have to work that hard <laughs> on that anymore. But they taught me a definite hardworking um, uh, passion for ministry 
and how that can relate to uh, to the church and, and to discipleship. And uh, David Abernathy would would uh, gently teach me some things that he taught along the way. We had very similar backgrounds, and so okay. he would uh, allow me to sit in on meetings and just see how he navigated through uh, the ministry side of that. So it taught me a lot through yeah. that. So. Yeah, that's awesome. The other thing that I noticed uh, as you were talking is you are really good at remembering people's names. Like you just rattled <laughs> well, off yes. four or five, six <laughs> different people's full names and this and that. What, what, is that just something you've always been good at no, or is there a reason behind no. that? There is definitely a reason behind it. Uh, so about three or four years ago, uh, when Reggie Bridges became the pastor, that that guy knows everybody's name and can make a connection uh, like I've never seen before, and it it um, it stirred me. It made me go, man, how does he do that? And he could never, he would never explain to me exactly how he knew how to do that. But I wanted to imitate that yeah. because I saw, uh, man, when you can call people's names out and recognize faces, that's important. That shows that you care, hmm. and it shows that you are are willing to invest in their life. And so that is one thing that really in the past three to four years now. Uh, I have had to work really hard on, and it, it takes time, and I get a lot of names wrong. I apologize if I've called you by the wrong name, uh, but uh, that it, it, I saw the value in it, and yeah. I still do to this day. Uh, so it was really through him. I give him credit for that. Yeah, so. Well, it shows because, like I said, you just rattled those things <laughs> yeah. off like 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 nobody's business. So um, it shows that's something that you've yeah. uh, made important in your life. Um, so through your story, uh, again, you hit some of the high points, yeah, your journey yeah. of how you ended up here, but what mm-hmm. were some of those moments um, in your life where God really got a hold yeah. of you and something stirred? I feel like there are times in all of our lives as followers where we can look back on our journey and like, man, there, there was this moment here and yeah. this was a game changer, uh, or, or God really showed up in this moment and that put me on this trajectory to go here. Um, what were some of those mm-hmm. moments for you? Yeah, so again, I had a thousand-foot view of how we got to this point where I'm at today. Uh, if I dove into the weeds uh, in my life, and the defining point of where I was going to either go one route or the other, basically, mm-hmm. was whenever my dad passed away. And mm-hmm. so I can give you the backstory of that. Um, in eighth grade, he had a, um, a heart uh, surgery in Houston, so pretty... Uh, major surgery. It was urgent, like it happened all very quick. I was in eighth grade. I didn't understand everything that was going on, uh, but I knew he was pretty sick, mm-hmm. and it took a long time for him to recover from that. Uh, and then eight years later, uh, which would be three years before I was going to graduate college, in 2007, in April of 2007, uh, he had a brain aneurysm, okay. and um, I can remember waking up that morning. It was terrifying. My mom was screaming, and I got up, and my brother was uh, trying to do CPR on my dad. He wasn't breathing. I ran outside, called 911, and got an ambulance there. And by that time, they had uh, kind of revived him and, and got him stable, but he was having a stroke at that pretty major stroke. And then three days later, uh, he, he ended up passing away, uh, and that was for our whole family. I think we can all share the same story that... Uh, it shook us, and it it caused us to to doubt and to wonder why God would take us through that season. Uh, but looking back on it now, several years later, um, more than a decade later, we all see the um, the fruit that came of it. Though it was so tragic, uh, we see that that my sister returned to the Lord and kind of got back into a rhythm of going to church and being invested there and. 
Um, my brother, you know, he became, like I said, he became a, a pastor in Louisiana and continued to do that. Uh, my mom was able to minister to uh, tons of her friends who shortly after that, they all started having similar experiences. And so now they can kind of gather mm-hmm. and, uh, and relate to one another. Uh, and we definitely had no idea that that was going to come out of it. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, the Lord was just very gracious. And I don't tell a whole lot of people this story, but the night before that happened, I was, um, I forget where I was at or what I was doing, but I go to my room that night right before I go to bed and I, I was journaling out some things and I just felt the Lord say, I'm about to carry you through something that you're not going to want to go through, but in the end, it's going to be a great thing. So I write it down. I'm like, well, I don't know what that means. Hopefully that doesn't mean <laughs> what it actually did mean. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, I get uh, awakened to my to all that, that went on that I just described there. Yeah. Uh, so tough season uh, and not something that I, I wanted to walk through or was willing to walk through, but I did, and I see the value of it now. And although I do miss my dad, I love him to death. I, mm-hmm. I know uh, where he is at. I know he was a firm believer in Jesus uh, and he, um, that one day we'll be reunited. And although that won't be the the focus of (laughs) what we're doing there, I'll get to see him again. So that'll be cool. Uh, but again, turning point. So from that point on, I could have either taken a route. I have a degree in forestry from Louisiana tech, by the way, I didn't mention that I could have taken a forestry route and gone that direction, or, uh, I could have continued where I was and, and headed towards where I'm at today in a worship pastor role. So, um, one thing you mentioned as well is just your passion and your love for discipleship. Mm-hmm. Um, and as someone who shares that same passion, yeah. um, explain uh, to our listeners a little bit um, of where that passion comes from yeah. um, and and why it's developed so much um, yeah. throughout your life. So I think any worship pastor or uh, worship leader, uh, when you start out, you immediately think of how far can I take my musical career? It's normal to think that. It's not the end of the world, and it's not wrong to think that. I thought that at one point in time because I could see success uh, whenever we would go into uh, leading times of worship, and different churches would start calling me to lead their uh, youth groups occasionally and stuff like that. So you can, uh, there is a bend to go, how, how far can you take this? Could this be a possible career or you could be a traveling musician? Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm not one to put myself out there a whole lot. And so I, I hated it. Hmm. I didn't like being the the center of attention. Hmm. Uh, that's the way I felt anyway. And so it was real hard for me to, to, to kind of go that route. And I did have some friends who were like, you know, we'll take care of the details. It's okay, uh, for you to not want to be the center of attention, but you're good at this. So keep, you know, if, if people are asking you to do it, do it. Uh, but through that, um, I, I really saw the importance of being in the church and leading in the church. And so, um, again, early on, people were pouring into me, the, the guys that I mentioned, and there's probably several that I haven't mentioned, uh, who were gently carrying me through to get me to this point. Now that once I hit later in life, and really this is probably four or five years ago, maybe six years ago now, I, I saw that, man, the church is where my heart is, and uh, what happened to me was not a result of uh, anything that I was gifted or talented enough to do, but it was because uh, the Lord you know, gave me a, a vision for it, and then people began to pour into my life to lead me up to that point. 
So it was at that point I go, man, that's exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life. I don't really necessarily uh, care if one day I'm not the worship pastor, but I do want to disciple people. I want to lead them uh, in the same way that I was led by by previous guys uh, who've come across my life. And so how does that happen? Uh, It starts with a, a a simple conversation and a friendship that's built, and then I personally will will see uh, where somebody could be one day, not necessarily where they're at, mm-hmm. not how talented they are, because uh, I wasn't talented at all. At that, I didn't know anything about music at that time, but where they could be, and and if they were willing to take the next step, um, then I will will personally meet with them and begin to build a friendship and get to know them, uh, and then we'll work on their uh, their craft, is what yeah. I like to call it. And how we can refine that along the way. Again, secondary issue, the, the main issue is your gift and, and what God's called you to do. Uh, your craft is your talent and how musically uh, capable you are to, mm-hmm. to lead and stuff like that. So that, that's, a, that's a big basic thing of how, yeah. how you explain that. Yeah, so. no, that's good. And I, I've appreciated your heart in that. Um, just being here, observing how you've come on board and got to know your team and, and invested in them between mm-hmm. whether it's lunches or, or spending time in the evenings, getting mm-hmm. to know them, having mm-hmm. them over at your house uh, for dinner and, and investing in that. And it's just been a, a huge encouragement yeah. um, for me because, again, it's, it's, it's taking that idea of we want to replicate ourselves. Yeah. We want to make sure that we're tapping into people's potential, not for our own benefit, but mm-hmm. for the kingdom's benefit. And I just see that all over your ministry since you've been here of how it's not just what's the product on Sunday and, and how does that look, but what's what's the behind the scenes stuff? Yeah. How are people growing and developing in their walk with the Lord? Mm-hmm. And then in turn, then the product on Sunday um, is so much more worshipful because you can tell that it's not a performance and it's not just using their gifts um, in a way that other people are going to be impressed, but it's coming out of a heart of of worship for them yeah. and that and that they're seeing what the Lord is doing in their life. And so I've just really appreciated that about you uh, and your ministry. And I think it's Thanks. been really evident yeah. um, just in the short time that you've been here yeah. um, that that's the case. One thing that I've noticed as well um, is your stage presence. And you've talked about how you've worked on that a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one thing that as I'm sitting um, in church and, and you're leading, um, I feel that you um, are worshiping as well, that, that even though you're on stage and, and, and you are leading a song, you're worshiping as well. How has that developed for you mm-hmm. um, and how have you grown into inviting and helping others get to a worshipful posture as well as we come before the Lord? Yeah. Uh, so it goes back for me to imitation, and I know that's that's kind of a basic thing. So I'll back up again, back to my college days where this this whole thing formed out, mm. and uh, and it shaped my life. Uh, when I was at that camp in Rock Springs, uh, I can remember getting alone. I was uh, probably a little bit lonely, I, although I had friends built up by that time. Uh, they encouraged us to get away for a little while because we were surrounded by uh, young kids, and we were surrounded by each other so much uh, that we needed to to have our time alone. And I can remember getting away, and it was right after uh, Passion had just released mm-hmm. their One Day album. Uh, and I remember hearing Shane and Shane sing It Is Well With My Soul, and I just blew up yeah. uh, and uh, and just heard it and just go, God, this is, this is right where I'm at right now mm-hmm. in life. 
Uh, I'm alone. I don't know necessarily what the future holds and where I'm going, and I'm a little bit dry right now. I've been poor. I felt like I've been pouring out a lot and wasn't filling up enough uh, spiritually. And that that point, that was one specific song that I can remember just, wow, just um, changing my, my heart and my mind and attitude towards the Lord. Um, and I understand you were at that, right? Was, You've told yeah. me that story yeah, before. Yeah, so. I was there at, at, at that when that happened, and it was a, it was a very, very powerful, very memorable moment for me yeah. in my life of sitting there with uh, five, six, seven thousand college students. Um, and the, the scene before when we walked in there in Nashville as they encouraged us as we broke up from our groups to come and they'd shut the doors of the convention center where mm-hmm. we were meeting. And so here you had six, 7,000 college students in the streets, um, completely silent, mm. not, no one making a peep. And it was so silent, but the, the streets were so full that out of the bars there in Nashville, you started seeing pouring out were these people who were there at the bar who couldn't believe that there were all these people in the streets, but the, the eerie silence mm. um, of that moment. So then they open the doors and we walk in, you walk in in silence. And what broke the silence was Shane and Shane sitting in the middle of the, of the stage. So we're all around them and they're right in the middle with this one light on them yeah. and they broke into that song. Wow. And it was just one of those moments for me that I was as a, you know, 19, 20 year old kid that just rocked me. Yeah. Um, and it is just like you said, it, it even now when I, when I hear that song, yeah. it takes me right back to that moment and just realizing. It's a monument. You yeah. just set up a pillar right there and yep. you can remember always where you, where you were. Where exactly. I was. And again, I can, I can recall that. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was, I um, can remember that very, very vividly. Yeah. So, the, and there was others along the way, of course, through college. Uh, a friend of mine who is still in the ministry in Ruston, his name's Chris Hanchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would lead the Common Ground Band and man, I thought that was the coolest thing ever, and I'm sure he would hate that I even said that. Uh, but they were phenomenal worship leaders, uh, and so not not just me, but everybody uh, within the 2003 to 2007 um, class at Louisiana Tech was influenced by this. If wow. you were a believer and you, we gathered. Uh, different ministries would gather, and they would lead us, and it was some special times. I can, I will always remember. Uh, the songs that they led and the the stories and the sermons that came out of that through through different leaders that would do that great worship leader and so really starting out I was I was imitating him probably a little too much people would uh, maybe see some of the the things that he would do on stage and I would try to reenact it maybe uh, and maybe that wasn't the most healthy thing ever but again it was an imitation thing yeah uh, and he was he was a good example still yeah. is to this day yeah. And I think that's huge because I think, uh, you know, you, you've hit on that point several times, yeah. imitation. And, and I hope as leaders that that's something that we are living a life mm-hmm. um, that we're trying to imitate Christ and hoping that people that, that we have influence over us or that we have influence over will imitate us as we imitate Christ, as Paul yes. says. You know, yeah. and I think that is some of the best part of discipleship is, is having some attributes some characteristics or the character that people see that say, hey, I, I want to imitate that mm-hmm. because I see the value in that and I'm missing that right yeah. now. And that's something yeah. that I need. And so sometimes the, the, the best way for us to do that is to just imitate, to, to, to do exactly what that person is doing. 
Um, and I, I, I have those people in my life that I say, you know, I see that for me, it's been um, people like Eugene Peterson, mm-hmm. Dallas Willard, mm-hmm. um, Daryl Harvey is another guy um, who's a mentor of mine who lives down in Arkansas. And the thing that I love about these men is that when you sit with them, you just feel like you can be yourself. No doubt. There's not a, a rush. There's not an agenda, but they're just comfortable with who God has them to be. They're not yeah. trying to impress anybody, and they're comfortable with who you are, and they're genuinely interested in you. And and that is something for me that I've tried to imitate of how do I sit and be with people and not have an agenda, not try to talk too much, but just listen well. And so I think for our listeners, think about those people in your life. Who are those people that when you are with, that there are attributes or characteristics um, in their life um, that you want to imitate and want to be like? Mm-hmm. And, and what does it even look like to, to approach those people, if you know them, if they're approachable, and say, hey, I would really love to learn how to do this. Could, could you come alongside me and help? Because again, that that is discipleship. Yeah. And that is when, when, when those areas, when you notice people's lives or, or aspects of their lives like that, um, it's one, imitation is the best form of flattery. Yeah. But that's where formation starts Certainly. to take place. And, and when we're willing to, to either ask or whether we're willing to help when someone asks us, it's, yeah. it's, how, it's how leaders are going to be developed. Right. It's how disciples are going to be made and how right. the kingdom is going to continue Certainly. to grow. Certainly. You're exactly right, and I'm so thankful that this uh, didn't go a complete worship route because worship, again, is discipleship, which yep. is which is how we uh, function as a church and grow the church. Uh, and so, from a leader standpoint, uh, be be open and be visible mm-hmm. and and look uh, because there's probably going to be some people around you um, who who you may not even recognize, or they may just occasionally come up to you. And it's because there is a, an imitation factor too. There, there is a uh, something that they see in you uh, that they want to imitate themselves. I can think of tons of guys in this church and ladies as well um, who who have those characteristics. Mm-hmm. And so, always be open. Uh, and when you see the the need there, it may be a, a timid, shy person who is not willing to uh, confront you. Maybe just go to them and go, "Hey, how's how's it going to build that relationship?" Yeah. Uh, which in the long run will build discipleship and that imitation of what uh, Paul describes in, in some of his writings too. Yeah. So. No, no, that's so good. Well, Chris, uh, appreciate you joining us. And, and you know this, as we as we wrap things up, yeah. um, we like to, to um, ask the question of what would you like to leave our listeners with? Is there, as we leave up, what can they wrap up and take home with them? Yeah, we've, we've talked a lot about it. Again, just being visible, being aware of what's going on around you and the people that you're influencing. Uh, and from a from one who maybe not, doesn't know where to go next, uh, regardless of a worship role or some other role within the church, uh, look for that person that you admire the most and that you uh, see value in and see how they're doing things well and stick to them. Yeah. Go introduce yourself. Go uh, say, hey, I'm willing. I, I really want to learn from what you're doing because yeah. you, I, I see you're doing things well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I want to, I want to imitate that. I do. I want to be like you are, and which ultimately, uh, if everyone's going in the right direction, is a reflection of Christ. Yep. Uh, obviously, there are times and instances where that may not be healthy, but we, for the most part, in the church, uh, can see that we're all looking towards Christ as our author. Uh, on a side note, uh, from a worship standpoint, 
uh, man, come ready to worship every Sunday. I realize that things happen, uh, and that Sunday, as many people have said before, the devil is most at work, and he's constantly trying to get you not to uh, join in community with the believers and with the church in general. Uh, but I encourage you to come uh, to, to before you get there on the way there, settle your heart, even though it may be chaos, and, uh, and my kids are the worst of that. They will be screaming and uh, they won't have their shoes on and their clothes won't match. And, and again, Brittany handles all this way better than I do. But um, there, there's going to be heavy things that come through. Uh, but when we gather corporately to worship, you can just feel uh, the presence of the Lord uh, through the Holy Spirit interacting with us here. Uh, and, and as we pour out praise and as we sing these songs, a lot of times our openers are a little bit higher in tempo to, to really bring joy and to, to set the tone for where we're going to go. Uh, throughout the the morning, uh, but just come and prepare your hearts, as as Courtney said several weeks ago, uh, to to be ready to worship on Sunday. So, yeah, well, Chris, well, again, uh, so excited, uh, thankful for your presence here on Thanks, staff, man. and uh, being able to work with you and interact with you um, on a daily basis, being able to serve alongside of you here at Calvary. Um, so thankful for your family. Excited to have you in our neighborhood. Yeah, uh, that's been that's been a blast. Um, and it's thank the best. you. That's right. Thank you again uh, for joining us uh, here at the table and to our listeners. Uh, have a great day. Thank you for listening to the table, a podcast of Calvary Church in West Lafayette. Music was provided by Heath Bentley. For more information, check us out at yourcalvary.info.